Hey guys, how's it going? Zach in here. Welcome to the Back Searches podcast. I'm your host, Zach in. In today's video, we have another Zach in the house, Zach Booth. Zach is a real estate wholesaler out of Utah, and he's absolutely one of the best, I don't know if the best top driving for dollars expert when it comes to real estate investing out there. Zach, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me, Ann. It's uh, it's great. I've I've actually heard of you a few times. I, I knew your dad, or know of your dad, and um, so pretty pretty awesome to uh, be on your podcast. Thanks for having me, bro. I'm awesome, man. So let's get it started from the top. Who are you, and how did you get started in wholesaling real estate? Yeah, so you know my business background. Um, I worked from the time I was little, you know, that was kind of a requirement by my father. Uh, financially, I was responsible for everything except for food and housing from the time I was 16. And so I had had actually a ton of different jobs. Um, you know, I had made cheese, taxidermy, uh, did framing, carpentry, I mean, all sorts of crazy things. And then, um, in my teenage years, like 15, 16 on, when I was really needing to pay for things, that's when I started thinking like, how do I make more money with less time, right? I didn't want an hourly wage anymore because I had to cover a certain amount of expenses. You know, if I wanted to play basketball in high school, I had to pay for all that stuff. If I wanted shoes and all that stuff. I had to pay for it. So, um, you know, I wanted to buy a truck. I had all these things I wanted, but I couldn't do it at a six, seven hour job. So I started my first business when I was 17. I started a window cleaning business and um, I did okay. You know, I mean, not having to cover housing or food, it, it was quite a bit of money. Um, and I and I ran that business, screw that business for for ten years actually. And uh, I had a lot of success. You can actually see some of my like window cleaning tutorial videos on YouTube. If you look up, um, if you look up window cleaning ventures, you can actually see those videos. But I got one one videos, millions and millions of views, like twenty thousand comments. It actually landed me on the History Channel. All sorts of crazy things happened. Um, but you know, when it came to the moments in my life where I had a son and I got married and I had kids and then it just wasn't cutting it anymore. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was broke. I was burnt out. I hated the industry. I was sick of window cleaning. Um, just was not where I wanted to be. And I had, you know, read rich dad, poor dad when I was younger and I knew I needed to be an entrepreneur and I knew that I needed to be into real estate. So my very first property I bought, I did house hacking, right? I was living in one side, renting the other on a little duplex. And it was amazing. And I was like, okay, I just need to do like 20, 30 of these and I'm done. Like I'm good. I can retire, you know, <laughs> my thought. And then the bank's like, well, wait a minute, you can't just go buy another one. You need bigger down payments. You need all, you know, you need debt to income. You need all sorts of things that I didn't have. And, and so I was like, okay, well, how do I get into real estate? So I started listening to podcasts like this. You know, I started listening and reading and whatever I could do to figure it out. And, and I learned about real estate wholesaling. I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's the key, right? Like that's how I'm going to get out of this rut that I'm in. You know, I remember the day my son was born and it's supposed to be the most beautiful day of my life. Right. And all I can think about is how am I going to pay the medical bills? It was horrible. Like it was like, I felt so guilty that I was worried about money in those moments, in that moment, you know, and, and I needed something different. And, and I saw and learned about real estate wholesaling and I, and I, and I wanted to be successful, but I was very much a skeptic, right? It's like, why in the heck would anyone sell their house at 40, 50 cents on the dollar? Like that doesn't, that doesn't exist. That's not yeah. real. That's, that's just people selling a dream, 
right? Like these, the only people that are, that, that talk about this are the gurus, right? They're just all charging money. I was a major skeptic. I really was. I, I had, I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to get into buy and hold investing. I knew that was real. I had seen it done. I was doing it. I knew people that were doing it. I was like, that's what I need to do. But I, everything I found is like, you got to start with a really good deal. And it's led me back to wholesaling. And so like, that's what led me down the path of wanting to get into wholesaling. Wow. Okay. And what year was this? I, I bought my very first duplex in 2012 and I didn't do my okay. first traditional wholesale deal till 2017. So it took wow. me, took me five years to finally do a wholesale deal from the first time I did. I, I bought that duplex. So it took, it took me a while. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, that that's the same year I got my first wholesaling deal. So it's, it's crazy seeing both of our growths in such a, I would say a short period of time, like doing yeah. six, seven figures, getting up to that like crazy high level in just a short time. It's crazy because people have been wholesaling decades and they can't even get to that. So uh, tell me about your first deal. Like what market, what area, what did you do? Um, I want to know everything because there's so many people brand new. They're like, how did you do it? And it's cool hearing someone's actual real story, not a fake one. Everyone watches you on YouTube. They hear you talk about it, but what's the real story of your first deal? Um, my, my first motivated seller deal, I didn't wholesale it, but this is a very significant moment for me because it, it took me from being a skeptic to a believer. I ended up getting the properties and kept them for myself. He gave them to me seller finance, like a couple thousand dollars down. So he basically just handed the properties over to me and I ended up selling them the next year to the, both of the tenants. They both cashed me out. I made over a hundred thousand dollars profit, right? Wow. And so that was like my first taste of a motivated seller. And this was back in 2000 and like 2016 is when I did this deal. But my first traditional wholesale deal was 2017 where I actually sold the purchase contract. Um, but, you know, what happened is I was watching, you know, my first motivated seller, right? 2016, I was washing windows for a guy named uh, Stan Nielsen. Uh, great guy, super nice guy. And I found out he was a real estate developer. And when I was washing his giant house, you know, and I was like, that's so cool. Tell me about it. I wanted to know everything because I wanted to get into real estate. I just kept hitting roadblock after one after the other. And, you know, I was a major skeptic. I didn't believe the guys that were out on YouTube and stuff, right? They were just selling courses. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know what to do or how to do it. So when I've met someone local, I was like, well, how are you doing? What are you doing? And at the end of that conversation, I was like, man, I would just love to get two rentals this year. That would be life-changing. He's like, oh, that's convenient. I got two. I don't want to deal with them. Will you buy them? And I was like, okay, how much? He said a half a million dollars, which is a huge discount. I was like, oh, okay. They're like, yeah, that's, that's okay. And he's like, well, can you get a loan? I'm like, no, <laughs> definitely not for half a million bucks. And he's like, well, um, could you put 20% down? I said, definitely not, but I could do 2000, <laughs> you know, which is way off, right? From what he was asking for. And he said, okay, that's fine. And, um, you know, they ended up being amazing deals. And so that experience took me from going, oh, wait, there are people that are intelligent, that are savvy, that, um, just have properties that are, that are a thorn in their side. They don't want to deal with them. Like you can have integrity and make a ton of money. Like you're not, you're not being dishonest or, or, or taking advantage of anyone by doing this. Like it was, it was a wholesome, fulfilling, successful, um, you know, deal it, it, that made me a believer. And then from there, that's when I really decided to invest into one of these gurus. 
right? And so you're in Port St. Lucie, you know, Tom Kroll, I invested into Tom Kroll, hired him as a coach. And a few months after I joined his program, I did my first traditional wholesale deal, similar situation, two very wealthy investors. Um, they had had a partnership with over a hundred rentals at one point, and they had one single family house left. Their partnership had gone sour and they were just done. And they, uh, they wanted that last one gone. They gave it to me at a discount. I made 10 grand selling the purchase agreement. Wow. And so like having that experience again, it was just from there, it was like, this is what I'm doing. I want nothing to do with window cleaning. And I became just, just overly grateful and obsessed and just because it changed my life, dude, real estate wholesaling. Um, you know, I was that guy you saw washing windows, you know, you're at Starbucks or, you know, you're at the bank. I was the guy on the ladder. Like literally that's who I was five years ago. I drive by these properties and, and commercial properties and houses that I used to wash consistently. And I just like, it gives me like this sick feeling in my stomach. Cause that was, was, that was, that's what I thought my life would be. Wow. Ooh. It's kind of crazy. Cause I got the same feeling when I start like with my job before wholesaling, uh, it, it same feeling, but it's, Oh my gosh. It, it's bringing back memories of my first deal. So that's absolutely amazing. I mean, got that $10,000. I mean, what did you do after that? Like, what did you do with that 10 grand to scale it up, to make it into an empire you got now? I wouldn't necessarily call it an empire. <laughs> I don't okay. know if I have an empire, guys. I, I I've done very well for myself, right? And it's it's okay. changed my life. I'm able to go on vacation and do wonderful things, and and I spend a ton of my time and my efforts helping other people, um, which which brings fulfillment to me. And uh, I feel like I have everything I've ever wanted and will ever want. Um, and so I'm I'm very happy. But I I don't I don't know what necessarily qualifies you for having an empire. So the, what, what happened after that experience is, you know, I kept doing what I had been doing, which was pulling lists from, uh, you know, listsource.com. It's kind of like PropStream, If you guys know what that is, I was just buying lists. And then I was getting lists from county courthouses and city office buildings, things like the code violation list, tax delinquent, um, eviction. Those were some of my favorites. And I was doing a few deals here and there, maybe one a month. And by the end of that first fiscal year, so like eight total months after that first $10,000, I made like 118,000, give or take. I don't remember exact numbers, which was pretty good, right? Like that was more than I'd made washing windows. Like I was like, this is awesome. I didn't have to do window washing anymore, right? I'd walked away from that business. And, but then something happened that really messed me up. The next, uh, next, the first two months of that next year, um, it was tough because a lot of the lists that I was pulling and I had to go fight with like city workers to get the, the, the public records and it's not public records. And so it was hard to get the list, which made it good because nobody was marketing to it. Right. I was the only one doing it, but the cities got together because they were sick of all these investors trying to get these lists. They, they just actually went and made all of their public records on a state website. So you could just pull up the County and the city and pull all the public records. Right. So now every single person like you could hire a VA and you could have every single list in a few minutes. And so now every single investor is marketing to these properties and I'm not getting leads. I'm not even getting calls anymore because they're getting bombarded. Right. So I'm like, well, crap, now what do I do? You know, it took me a couple of months to figure out what happened. I didn't know. And I just wasn't getting calls anymore. And I was like, well, what do I do? Like, I don't want to go back to washing windows. And so um, I thought I had come up with the idea of driving for dollars, not my idea at all. <laughs> it's been around forever. Right. Um, I'm just a dummy and didn't know. And, but I, I had noticed that 
you know, most of the deals I had done, they were like, they were obvious. Like you're like driving, looking for the house number, right? As you're pulling up to the appointment. You're like, oh, it's that one. That's a bad house. Like that's, that's definitely the house, right? It's ugly. It's run down. It's not taken care of in comparison to the rest of the neighborhood. So I was like, well, why don't I just drive around and find the ugly houses? Can't be that hard. I'll just drive around, write down the addresses and pull up the information on county records. So I started doing that. And I added like 70 properties into my first deal, made nine grand. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to make some money, right? Like this is crazy. 70 properties. I make, I make that much money. Obviously we add more properties than that to make, to make money now, but that was like that first taste. So I went crazy. I started recruiting people to help me drive. I started testing a bunch of different things. And by the end of that year, we had done just shy of a half a million dollars in wholesale fees. And it was all because of that marketing system. All of it, every penny came from driving for dollars. And I was like, holy crap, like that is, that is crazy. Like I was pinching myself. I, I, I felt like I got lucky. I felt like I had fallen on a gold mine, you know? And, um, at the end of that year though, like, I was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I do more? Right. Cause you had heard, you, you, you had mentioned it, Zach, you had said, you know, there's people that do six figures. Um, and then there's the other people that do like seven figures. People do a million dollars a year in wholesaling. And I had heard that. I was like, well, well, how did, how do you do a million? Like I got lucky. Like there's no way in heck I can do more. I felt like I had driven everything that, you know, that I could possibly drive and find all the rundown properties I could find in Utah by hiring all these people and everything. And, um, so I was, I got invited to do a self-help journal with a friend of mine and it was called, uh, living your best year ever by Darren Hardy. And in that journal, the first hundred pages, it talks about, uh, or it helps you create three big goals for the year. And one of my goals was a financial goal. And I wanted to generate a million dollars the next year, but I honestly had no idea how to do it, but I made that a goal. And then it goes through what you have to do and the kinds of things you have to do to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. And it said, whatever you want to accomplish, you have to give it away. So if you want more love, you have to give love. If you want money, you have to give money. So for me, I had to give away a million bucks <laughs> and I didn't know how I didn't have a million bucks. I didn't like, what do I do? Right. And, and so my wife and I, we met, you know, we talked about it, went to dinner. We like, I wanted to take this thing serious, but I had no idea how to do that. I mean, there still was, I had more money than I'd ever had, but I didn't have a million dollars. No way. And, and so we're like, well, how do we do this? And we decided, why don't we just find a few people that need help with their marketing? And we could teach a few people how to find off market discounted properties using the driving for dollar system that I had put together, put a million dollars in 10 people's businesses easily. You know, I felt very confident we could do that. So I brought on those 10 people and started teaching them. And the craziest thing happened. Um, the more I taught, the more I learned because they'd ask me questions. I'd be like, you know, I was just a stupid window washer. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Like truly I did not know what I was doing. And they would ask me questions say, I don't know. Let me look, let me figure it out. And they'd ask questions about title and they'd ask questions, complicated questions about real estate and litigation situations and probate and all sorts of things. I didn't even know, I didn't even know what the words meant. Right. And, and so it forced me to learn to teach and empower these people to put a million dollars in their business. And, um, the craziest thing happened. It really perfected my marketing system. And I did 1.2 million that year. And it wow. would not, it would not have happened if I wasn't teaching other people and, and, and having my students really teach me. Right. And, uh, you know, really I, I look at 
that is what really pushed me over the edge. And, and my favorite part of, of all of that is I fell in love with coaching because as much as like those first few deals changed my life and got me out of the job I hated, every time I have a student that does their first deal and has that success, I know what it means. I know what it means to them and to their family because I was there not too many years ago. And I found so much fulfillment. I found so much happiness and joy in changing people's lives. And um, I fell in love with coaching because I fell in love with coaching. That's where I wanted to spend my time, which forced me to have to automate my business and put other people in place to do the acquisitions and everything else, you know? And, and now this year, we're going to do anywhere between 1.5 and 2 million this year. And, and I, I, the only revenue that came in from me was because of the 40 day challenge out of that money. Um, you know, I don't, I don't negotiate deals anymore. I don't go on appointments. I don't do the driving. I don't do the cold calling. I just look at the numbers. I only spend three, four hours a week on my wholesaling business. And I spend my time with my students. Boom. That's the point, man. Delegation is key. My goodness. That's a crazy story. So, wow. So 1.5 to 2 million. That's, that's impressive. So let's break it down. So what does your team look like right now? Yeah. So I have, um, it's not very, very big. A lot of people think like you need this massive team to have a lot of success. You need to have the right people. Um, so we have Miguel who does all of my systems, um, in marketing. So he puts together my KPI sheet, which is my financials of where we're spending our money and where our money's coming from, from what deals. So he puts all of that together. And so I can look at my business and get a pulse on my business. So he generates all that. He manages um, the tech or our CRM that keeps track of all of our leads and inbound leads and you know the process and that kind of stuff. And if it falls apart, all the tracking and everything that goes in there. So he deals with all that. Uh, he has a VA that works underneath him that helps him with, with management. He does all my driving in Utah and adds 2,000 properties every single week to our marketing list here in Utah. He manages the driver in Florida. Um, he sends all of the postcards, he skip traces all the phone numbers and uploads them into cold calling. And he does all of our text messaging. Just one person. He's a beast. He's amazing. Love the guy's name's Miguel. I met him when I served a Christian mission in Brazil. He's from Brazil. Um, so kind of a cool, he was one of my most favorite people I met in Brazil and it's really fun that he's working with me now. And, and then I have, um, Hayden Greenwood who's my lead acquisition manager. And uh, he does all the acquisitions, all the sales um, here in Utah and all of the disposition. So he gets, all, he negotiates all the deals and then he sells all the deals. Um, and then he also manages and trains, recruits our cold callers. We have three cold callers that he manages. And then he manages, trains um, our acquisition manager in Florida. Now we're in two markets. And um and then, like I said, three cold callers and that's it. Like it's not a, not a huge team. They have a lot of responsibilities. Uh, they get paid very, very, very well. Um, there's a ton of profits. Uh, you know, we spend less than 20 cents to make a dollar uh, with our marketing. So basically, let's say I make a million dollars. I'm only going to spend uh, $200,000 on marketing. That leaves $800,000 for profits to me and to pay my team. So we eat very, very well, right? Because it's a very small team. I, I do a little bit of profit sharing with my main people that, that help with management and that kind of stuff. Um, so they do very well and it allows me to be, to have a lot of freedom. Wow. Okay. So overall, looking at the macro on this 20%, usually on the marketing what is the net to you before taxes? Not the amount, but percentage-wise. After profit sharing, uh, you got to pay gas, obviously, for driving for dollars. There's a cost to your systems. 
deal machine. Um, what's the net to you guys profitability wise? Yeah, my projection so far for this year would be about 35% profit margin to me after I do profit wow. sharing and everything else. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a lean machine. I mean, it's it's really sexy having eight people, all these cold callers and like this huge team. I uh, got payroll. It's uh, it, it's it's true though. You can run a seven-figure operation with less than four or five employees. It's it's amazing. So uh, I want to talk about drawing for dollars because I, I mean, I'm the expert in the house here. So Overall, can you give me your drawing for dollars system? So if I wanted to get started, I don't know what drawing for dollars is. What is a quick uh, guide you can get for someone brand new? Yeah. So you can download the deal machine app. Okay. And um, we're launching a new discount code on Friday. So uh, I actually went to deal machine and I said, Hey, instead of paying me a commissions to promote you guys, can you pass the savings on to my students? So that's going to be available Friday. So they've built out a whole landing page instead of me getting paid, you guys get the discount. So it's cheaper than anything you can get anywhere. Um, so anyways, go download the deal machine app. Um, follow me on Instagram so you can see that discount code. Uh, I'll be launch. you know, I would give it to you right now, but I don't have it yet. It's happening Friday. I'm sure okay. by the time this is launched, it'll be out. Um, so anyways, you get the deal machine app. Okay. And what the deal machine app will allow you to do. So when I first started driving for dollars, I had to, uh, write down the addresses and look them up on County records. It took hours to build a list of any size. It was horrible, right? Now there's technologies where you can drive through neighborhoods, identify a house, and go, oh, wow, that's a bad house. It has physical signs of neglect. You you touch the house on the Google Maps image and it'll upload all of the information of the owner in an Excel spreadsheet, okay? And um, once you have that, that Excel spreadsheet, you can either do it through the Deal Machine app or you can export that list. You can pull that Excel spreadsheet out and get better pricing for phone numbers um, or you can then send it to your postcard company and get a little bit better postcard pricing than Deal Machine has. Or you can do it right within the app where it's um, a little more expensive, but it's way more convenient, right? So what we're doing is we're texting, cold calling, and postcarding um, the, the people or the homeowners from people that we find by driving around. So when you do this, you need to identify any physical signs of neglect. You need to work in neighborhoods where the, the average house price in that neighborhood is at or below the median house price. So you first have to identify your area, right? So what you do is go to Google. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you everything you need to do, right? Like here you go. So you go to Google, type in median house price, and then your city. It's going to show you the house price. And then I want you to go to Zillow and look up solds in that area. And it's going to pop up all the numbers. And you're going to be able to see all the houses that have sold for over that, that median price and under that median price. You want to drive the lower half of your market. You're going to drive every single one of those neighborhoods and you're going to add any properties of physical signs and neglect. Then you're going to reach out to them. You don't have to do all three. We do all three. We make most of our money though from postcards, believe it or not. Most people say postcards don't work, but you can send postcards to those people and see if they want to sell. Once they do want to sell, then you have to go negotiate, get it under contract for the lowest you can and sell that purchase contract or keep it as a flip or keep it as a rental, whatever you're trying to do. But I mean, it's it's a pretty simple process. Obviously, there's a few nuances and things that um, I don't know if we have time to go into exact detail that will make it extremely profitable to where you are spending less than 20 cents to make a dollar like I am, right? So you can build a team and actually scale and and have a, a money-making machine. Wow. I mean, that's, that's the blueprint right there. So uh, driving around, looking for dis distressed properties. Uh, 
when it comes to your list management of your drawing for dollars leads, I I don't I'm not familiar too much with Deal Machine too much when you export it, especially in your operation. Mm-hmm. Are you taking out like bank owned properties and just properties owned by like uh, nonprofits stuff like that? Nope. Nope. And anything that has physical signs of neglect, we mark it to. And I, I get this question a lot from my students. Like, should we pull out properties that, um, you know, have been owned for less than a year? Should we, should we pull out properties that, um, you know, are, are owned by the city? Should we, no, it's not worth the effort, right? It's not worth the effort to go do that. They have physical signs of neglect. It's a, it's a, a higher chance that they're going to want to sell to an investor. So you want to be the one in front of them. Um, you know, the, the, the process, um, that, that I, you know, just shared the driving for dollars process. It's truly what changed my life. It's, it's what took me from just being a window cleaner, right? Being that guy that you saw cleaning the Starbucks windows, right. To being a millionaire, it changed my life. And I'm not the only one that's done that. I'm not the only one that's had that kind of success. And there's no reason why any of the listeners that can't be you, um, you know, I'm so confident this works anywhere in the country that I actually went out and demonstrated it and had, had a camera guy follow me around. And I, I had a goal of taking a thousand bucks, turning it into 40 grand in 40 days, not to like brag and be like, Hey, look at me, but for you guys to see the process and see how possible it is for you guys to do. And I documented and put it for free on my YouTube channel. So you guys can check it out. Awesome. And it's a Zach booth dash real estate investing on YouTube? I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can find my channel by searching DFD stands for driving for dollars, DFD mastery. Um, you can find it that way or, or just searching Zach Booth, um, Z-A-C-K-B-O-O-T-H-E um, on the, uh, on YouTube. You should be able to pull me up that way too. Awesome. Uh, you said Miguel is doing 2000 um, a week here. So I've had David Lecko on. He's, he's talked. He's the Deal Machine founder. Um, obviously, there's more partners than that on there. But mm-hmm. he was telling me uh, it takes about 200 leads to get a deal what he's found on his app. Um, where I'm at in Port St. Lucie, it's around 160. Um, what are stats that you're seeing as of today with your students and in your operation? So I'm going to share you a little gold nugget, okay? We add way more properties. We add about, um, about 2,000 properties per deal. So I know the number of 100 to 200 properties is sexier than 2000. But um, what that means is if you're getting that good of numbers, you're only adding the properties with massive amounts of neglect, like the obvious vacants, the obvious, like really, really bad ones. Right. And I did that in the beginning and I tested it. I split tested, meaning I added properties that were very, very obvious. And I still do this to the day, to this day. I actually call it the turd list, right? That is the worst of the worst properties. And on deal machine, you can tag those. You can add a special tag. So like, let's say you identify like, Hey, this is a really bad one. You can tag the property, but then you, you can pin the property on the map, right? You put your finger and it uploads it. And then you can go in and say, add a tag and you can add a tag and name it, whatever you want. And we have a tag specialized. We call it the turd list, right? And those properties, they get a very unique postcard with a unique phone number to track all the leads that come in from it. So we can track how many we find versus how many on our turd list. That is the conversion, right? But you're already driving through those neighborhoods and you're finding lots of properties that are like, Hey, I don't know. Should I add those? Or you're, or they've got a rundown vehicle and it's like, man, it looks like no one's really taking really good care of the property. It's outdated. 
there's physical signs of neglect. We tag those properties and 2000 of them turns into a deal. But you know how cheap it is to market 2000 properties? My average deal size is $28,000. So to market to 2000 properties, it's going to cost me about three to $4,000, but I'm going to make 28, right? Sure. So you're going to add way, way more deals, right? Because the thing is, is it takes us about uh, four weeks to add enough properties um, to do a deal off of just the turd list, but we're adding enough properties to do a deal a week by the properties that aren't so bad. So with the, with the time that it takes to drive and add the properties, we're making way more by adding all of the properties. And that was something that I learned, but during the coaching process, right? Cause I got that question. Hey, Zach, should I add any properties of physical signs of neglect or should I add turd properties? I, said, I don't know. That's a really great question. Why don't I test it? Right. And that was one of those things, one of those gold nuggets and one of the things that really changed, uh, changed the business for us. Wow. That, that's amazing. It's, I mean, I, every single deal I've popped on to the last two or three years, if I had to go on an appointment, I'd go on there and be like, dang, this thing I could have seen driving for dollars. Um, just, but it wasn't obvious, but it was just the slight stuff. So mm -hmm. I definitely understand that. It's, it's definitely got to look at that in my team here. Um, the next thing, next thing here is cold calling. So when it comes to cold calling, does your team individually call? Do you have the VA calling? And what are the scripts that you're kind of using right now? Yeah. So I was a student of Brent Daniels. Um, Brent Daniels, if you don't know who that is, uh, his company's TTP stands for talk to people. So he was one of my, he was the one that taught me how to do it. And he spoke at an event, um, I think in 2017 here in Utah, actually. And that's where I heard about it. And so that's, I implemented what I had learned there. And I remember once I had set up Mojo and gone through and did the script and all that um, and followed the process. I called for like, I called for 11 minutes and I got a hold of a gal named Linda. And she said, I'm here now. The tenants kicked in the ceiling lights and the water damage and the sheetrocks falling down in the kitchen. I'm done. I'm not going to be a landlord. And I said, I can, I can come out and meet you right now. She's like, great. Signed a purchase contract and sold that purchase contract for nine grand. 11 minutes. Wow. Changed, changed the game, right? It was, it was a way that I could proactively sit in cold call um, while I was waiting for return, you know, people to get back to me on the postcards I'd sent them. And um, we've modified that script that I got from him. Um, not, not majorly, but, but quite a bit. We've altered that, that script a little bit. Um, it is something that I do teach my students. We've changed a few things that I learned there, but really he gave me that foundation. Great guy. I love Brent Daniels. Um, got to spend quite a bit of time with him now. And, um, I was actually down close to you in Port St. Lucie. Um, and we went, uh, we, we had a, we had a good time. I spent some time with him down there and, and Tom Kroll and, um, anyways, but I had that experience. And, um, so that's how we started cold calling. I've tested hiring, um, like uh, outsourcing it to VAs and outsourcing it to, to calling centers and stuff that will manage that for you. And it hasn't been a profitable thing to do, at least here for me in Utah. You guys can test it in your market and just keep track of how much you spend versus how much you make. And we just weren't making money with it. And so we, we cut that. Um, but I when I cold call, I make a lot of money, right? Like that's all, that's all I did on the 40-day challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, the, four, if, I don't know if we even mentioned the 48 challenge It's something I did on the YouTube channel. Right. And so that's what I did and, and I love it. And so knowing that you can make money and I had made money when I first started, 
I, I realized like I needed people that actually had some sales skill. I really had to pour into these people just like they were a sales rep, right? And and so I started bringing in a couple people into my office here um, and really pouring into them and then cold calling with them. And um, once I did that and I had an in-house cold calling team and weekly trainings and really push them to succeed and giving them bonuses and that kind of stuff, then that's when we really started making money. But yeah, we, we have all of our, our cold callers here in-house and we're training them and um, see them every day. So, wow, that's impressive. So you got your own script going, um, using some of Brent stuff, which is great. And then when it comes to your SMS, so what kind of SMS platform are you having a lot of success with right now? Yeah. So we're using uh, batch leads currently, um, to do our text messaging. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, we've and, done, done well with that one. Okay. And so you got Miguel on there. So how is he managing his time? Cause it seems like he's doing everything. He's just like a Renaissance man uh, when it comes to your business. So yeah. like, how is his time best spent? Like it's, it's, it's got a lot going on there. Yeah, he is very busy. So Monday, Tuesday, um, he's in the office and he's sending postcards, skip tracing, um, all the properties from the week before driving, um, doing the, you know, he does the text messaging campaigns on Monday and does all the follow-up on those text messages, um, Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Um, and then he works a half day Wednesday, Wednesday morning, he prepares the KPIs and pulls all the data and presents that to me. So we do the week before his KPIs on Wednesday. So he does all of his in office work then. And then Thursday and Friday, uh, two days, he adds a th uh, 2000 properties. So he does on average a thousand properties every single day. It takes him about eight to 10 hours of driving per day to do that. So he is busy. He works his butt off. You know, he's got a work ethic that, that I really respect and appreciate. And I knew that because I walked on the streets with him in Brazil. Right. And he worked alongside me and I, I knew that, um, he would be an, an amazing person to work with. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Um, what are some tips that you can give for someone who's looking to scale up the drawing for dollars operation and find a good driver? Um, do you recommend having an in-house person or just hiring someone from the street? Um, what's your recommendation? Uh, don't pay commissions. That was a big mistake I made in the beginning. Pay hourly. Um, and the reason for mm -hmm. that is uh, when you pay commissions, there's you have a tendency to lose people faster. Um, when you pay commissions, um, you know they're not going to be as attentive. They'll basically add any property that they can. They like they'll add too much because they don't care how much money you're spending. They just want to get a deal closed. So they can get a portion of it. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of problems. I really believe that real estate, wholesaling, real estate in general, our business is marketing. If we don't have leads, we have nothing. And so if you, if you're, if your marketing isn't consistent, you're not going to have a business. And so you got to make sure whoever you hire is going to consistently add an expected amount of properties every single week to your marketing list and stays consistent to that for years. Right. So when you hire someone hourly, you say, Hey, we expect you to drive this many hours this many days, we're going to tell you where to drive and how to drive, but we're going to want this many hours. And then with the deal machine app, you can see they'll hit start drive and end drive. It'll route track everything. It'll show how many properties per hour, where they added those properties. You can manage that driver without ever talking to them or seeing them right out on the job site. So um, deal machine changed a ton of those things. And a lot of the updates they've had over the last couple of years has made that process way easier than it was for us in the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, we pay about 20 bucks an hour for our driver. Uh, plus we pay for gas if they hit their goal. Plus we pay a hundred dollars per deal that, that we close off of what they do. So that's the structuring wow. and, and that's what I suggest. 
And where should someone go to find someone? Obviously, uh, not everyone go to Brazil and find a Miguel. So uh, where could someone hire someone like that? Yes. So I teach I teach something to my students um, that I find very valuable. There's a couple things you have to do. You have to be a leader uh, first off, right? Um, and like think about think about the the great people that have made massive amounts of positive influence in our world, right? That's the kind of leaders we want to be. So like, look at like Mother Teresa and Martin Luther and uh, Gandhi and, and a lot of these people, right? Like what was it that made them such influential people and such mass, massive leaders? It's they gave, they served. So the first mm-hmm. thing you have to understand, if you're going to build a team, you have to serve. You have to be thinking about if I structure something, how is this going to help them? And you truly have to serve those people, right? Like you have to be the servant if you want to have a a team that builds and grows a company and helps you. Most people just take this as, hey, I'm writing the paychecks, you do whatever I tell you. And they become a dictator, right? And it all falls apart, just like all dictatorships, right? It falls apart. You get they get stabbed in the back. It's not good. Right. So first you have to come from a place of servitude. Once you have leadership skills like that, then you have to then find the person, right? That's going to be a fit. So I tell, talk to my students about, um, having core values, writing core values, um, and not core values for like how your business works, but the core values that you require that your hiring process, like who you hire has those core values. Um, so for example, what I tell them is, um, think of the things that has bugged you, with coworkers in the past or things that you were respected about coworkers. What was it? Were they making excuses? Were they dishonest? Were they, you know, um, their work ethic? Were they, uh, they weren't on time? Like what are those, those requirements that you have for people? Then when you do the interview process and look for people, you make your interview questions on the core values. For example, one of my core values, I require that people are focused on self-improvement. Right. And because I want them to take owner, take ownership of their responsibility and learn how to educate themselves to solve the problems that are given to them. Right. I want to say, hey, like these are the outcomes that I want figured out. I don't want to have to tell them how to do their job. Right. That there's tons of stuff that my company, like people do in my company. I have no idea how they do it. And I don't want to know. Right. And the only way that's possible is if they invest in themselves. And so during the interview process, I'll say something like, so um, what is your position right now? Or what was the last job you had? Oh, you were a salesman. What what kind of uh, sales trainings that, did you do um, there? Well, I did this and this. Were, were they required? Did your company pay for those for you? That's awesome. Yeah, they did. Did you have any other trainings that you paid for yourself? Any books, podcasts, anything you like? And there's nothing. It's like, nope, this guy didn't invest into himself. But it's like, oh yeah, man, I followed this guy and this guy. This guy's podcast freaking awesome. And I read this book and I went to this event and I like, dude, that, that thing. And like, this is how much results I got. And this is how it changed my business and me and yada, yada. It's like, man, this guy is going to take ownership of whatever responsibilities I give him. Right. And wow. so- you have to have core values you require and you always hire off of core values first. Then second, are they a fit? Do they have experience? They have the skill set to take over the position you need them to hire. So core values first, then, um, then taking over the position. Um, and then one of the last things I say is like, it's really hard to find people with the right core values. That's why people say, oh, you can't find anybody good anymore. And it's like, that's just a limiting belief. They don't know how to find people, right? There, there's a couple things wrong here. They don't, they don't, they're not the leader that they need to be. It's like, I want to have this wife that's like a 10 and they're a two. 
You know what I mean? Like they, they, they want something, but they don't want to be that something. And so that's, that's usually the first thing. The second thing that I find is they're looking in the wrong places. You know, they're posting on Upwork, they're posting on Craigslist, they're posting. You can do that, but you're going to have to sift through a ton of applicants to find someone that's the gem, right? Most gems already have a job. Most gems are crushing it right? Most people that you want to work with you are already somewhere. You have to always be recruiting. You always have to be posting on social media and sharing valuable information and serving. And remember coming from a serving attitude, because if you put out who you are in the world, you're going to repel people that are not like you and you're going to attract people that are like you. So if you look at your friends and like who follows you and who you're excited about being around, and if you don't really like those people, you need to change yourself, right? Because if you do it right, you're going to repel the people that you want to be in your business and attract or repel people that, that, that you don't want in your business and attract those. So when you post, Hey, I need someone for my real estate business for this and this, you're going to have a ton of applicants that have the core values because you've already repelled and attracted the right people. On top of that, you're always recruiting, right? Like I recruited a guy that uh, sold me insurance, sold me health insurance. And I, as he was amazing. He was an amazing salesman. So then I started asking him interview questions, right? I started interviewing him once he sold me insurance. I said, dude, why are you such a good salesman? How would you get so good? Or do you have classes, courses? Did they pay for it? He's like, no, dude, I listen to these podcasts and this. And I was like, dude, he's got that core value. And I started asking him other things. Then I started asking him questions like, well, do you have salesmen underneath you? Do you have experience managing salesmen? Which was one of my requirements for that position. He did. So I'm always recruiting. I'm always looking for people to fill a need that I have within my company. Um, and obviously they're never going to come work for me unless I fill their needs as well. So hmm. it's, it's not an easy process to build a team and to have a team that runs without you. I totally believe it's a whole nother skill beyond, beyond, um, wholesaling. I'm actually doing a live event for this purpose. Cause I do have students that ask me like, okay, we we're wholesaling now. How do we build a team? Like you have, I'm doing a live event. Um, I'm sure this will be live after um, the event. We're doing the, the live event next week, actually. So this is live right now. Oh, we're live. Oh, cool. So it's next week, but it's oh, yeah. full. You guys can't come. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he can't come. Um, but it's, yeah, it is, it is full. It's, it's going to be small. It's just some of my students that have asked for this help. Um, they're going to come hang out with me. It's going to be awesome. Some of them are going to come uh, go on a backpacking fishing trip with me after. So it's going to be Ooh, pretty awesome. Sweet. Um, awesome, man. So, uh, let's get some of the live questions we got from the audience. Uh, so everyone's asking us some stuff. So we got, uh, Zach Booth in the house. Zach is killing it. Um, Freddie says, please help me make my mind up on one list. What list to go for? I think, uh, I think we answered it pretty well today. Driving um, for dollars, baby. That's it. That's it. Uh, Facebook users, someone from my wholesaling office for real group says, Zach inspired me to do a 40 day challenge. I'm three weeks in and just to sign my fourth contract, 97 K in profit. He's the man. What, who is this? Who is this? Send me a um, DM. Whoever that is, send me a DM. I want to know about you. I want to talk to you in person. Seriously. This is why I did the 40 day challenges for stuff like this. Like awesome dude that's crazy if you did 97 grand you beat me brother i got um i only got 93 so you beat me i want to have you on my podcast i want to know who you are that's freaking inspiring so send me a dm either facebook or, or instagram i want to know all right man I'll, actually i can tell you who it is after the uh, live so cool uh let's see here angela has a great question you're looking back at what you tell your hesitant self that took you took so long to get going 
Um, yeah, my big thing is I, I had, uh, I had a disbelief that it was possible, right? Um, I totally believe that you have to start with the place of belief and confidence, um, before you're, you're going to be willing to do the hard stuff. Cause it's hard, right? Wholesaling takes a lot of work. And especially when you're spending money on marketing, I, I get the fear. That's where I was. And I wanted to, I wanted to be successful really bad, but I had all this fear that kept me from taking action and having that experience with, with Stan Nielsen, right? That, that very first motivated seller that I found gave me that confidence to take action, right? And to hire a coach. And it was $9,000 for that coach. It was scary. I didn't have that money. Most of it went on a credit card, right? But having that experience gave me confidence. Um, that's why I did the 40 day challenge. If you have, if you haven't watched it on the YouTube channel, go watch it. I wanted to give an over the shoulder look at what it took. So you guys could meet people like Stan Nielsen and see how and, and how possible it is for you to do wholesaling. I was a window cleaner. If I can do this, honestly, anybody can do this, right? So I want you to believe in yourself and get that confidence. And that's why I did the 40 day challenge and then start taking action, right? Without the action, it's never going to be there, but you got to believe in yourself, Angela. Um, you definitely got to believe in yourself. That's it. Perfect. Uh, Francisco wants to know, are you using deal machine postcards? And he wants to know which one works best. Uh, currently, I'm not doing deal machine postcards. Honestly, the postcard doesn't matter. Someone's motivated. They're going to call you. Boom. I've tested exactly. that, by the way. I've tested that. <laughs> Man, th that's another thing I love about uh, you and your businesses. Kind of like me, I, I test everything. I've tested over 500 SMS texting templates. I've tried all the postcards. It's just testing is the way for me to figure out what works. And it's like a one or zero. If this is working, do more of that. If that's not working, do less of that. So um, I, I love what you're saying. I don't think a lot of people talk about testing. So a uh, huge props to you on that one. Um, Bonsai says here, thoughts on wholesaling in California and how to, and how to remain competitive. Driving for dollars. I have a lot of successful students there in California. One was actually a fireman. Um, I'm actually going to marry those two. So they're getting married and, uh, dude, I, I love these two. So it's uh, Aaron Gaunt. You guys can see his podcast, Aaron Gaunt and Michaela, his fiance. I had them on my podcast. So if you have doubts that it's possible to do this in California, just go watch or listen to that episode on my Driving for Dollars Mastery podcast. Um, but yeah, they're amazing people and and I've helped them, helped them build, to build a company similar to mine. You know, he's, he's doing, I think, a month ago, he had a week. He had eleven contracts in a week. In a week, wow. yeah, it's crazy revenue. Like he really has a potential to make more money than me. Um, the the thing with these higher price markets, Seattle, Utah, California, uh, parts of the East Coast, uh, Vegas, uh, you have higher price points, so your average wholesale deal is going to be bigger too. Right. Your average wholesale fee should yep. be 10% of what the house is worth fixed up. So if a house worth a million dollars fixed up, your average deal should be a hundred grand. So if your average deal is a hundred grand and you're spending 20 cents to make a dollar, that means you have to spend $20,000 in marketing to do a deal on average. It's just the math. But if you sat down at a, at a lottery machine and put 20 grand in and a hundred grand came out every time you sat down, would you ever stand up? You wouldn't. You just keep dumping the money in into this money machine, right? So people say, oh, it's too competitive. It can't be done. It's just you're not willing to risk or do the work or put in the effort or make the investment to get the money back out. That's the big thing. Beautiful. Um, let's see here. What's up, guys? 
Uh, person says here they drove for dollars and cold called from 8 30 a.m. to 9 p.m. for 40 days. Jeez. Woo. Um, let's see here. Doing... Uh, someone also asks here I've been doing drive for dollars and the city keeps uh, places tidied up, so it's almost impossible to visually see distressed properties. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> Driving I in agree. the wrong areas, driving in the wrong areas. I mean, I'm, I'm not calling you a liar or anything. You're driving in the wrong areas. You know, you're, you're in too nice of areas. Um, and also what city are you in? Um, cause if you have suburbs, you're, you know, and you have blue collar neighborhoods, you're going to have guys that don't take care of the yard. You're going to have peeling paint. You're going to have those things. Yes. It is true that cities will write code violations for long grass and that kind of stuff. But I promise you the government in general is not that efficient in anything, <laughs> nothing. Okay. They're, they're definitely not that great. Yeah. I can't think of one city in America that's perfectly tidied up. And obviously you gave a really good tip. If you guys just came in live, it's under the median uh, price point in the city. You should be good, especially in a suburb. So mm -hmm. uh, great tips there. Eli says he'll be driving for dollars in Richmond part-time from school. Any tips looking to get my first deal? a couple things, right? So you can go out and drive for dollars and produce leads, but there's, there's a, but then what do you do with the lead? Do you have a cash buyers list? How do you negotiate? What's the property worth? There's all these questions and you can figure it all out for free content. Honestly, what changed my life is I hired a mentor. I'm not saying this because I am a mentor and I'm trying to pitch you. I don't care. Like don't join my program. If you think that's why I'm saying it, find a mentor, call Zach here, call Zach again right? Find a mentor, <laughs> find a mentor that can give you the action steps step-by-step, step, right? You can go out and figure it all yourself, but how many deals are you missing out on? Cause you don't have someone to tell you how to do it. You don't have someone that you can call mm. and be like, Oh, I've got a lead in this situation. What do I say? How do I say it? Right? Like, how do I get that purchase contract? How do I sell it to my cash buyer? What do I deal with the paperwork? Hey, the cash buyer said this, what do I do? right? Like you need that. I needed it. I would not be successful like I am without a mentor. Guarantee you that that is the truth. Okay. So go find a mentor that you like, that you trust, hire them, pay them, do what you need to do. And, and that that's truly, honestly, my advice. Okay. Hmm. Awesome. So, um, Jose says, I drive for dollars. I've came across a few vacant board up houses at a skip trace, but never got in contact with them. What else can I do to reach them? I know there's money they're waiting. Yeah, certain properties, um, the, the the turd list, right? The vacant, the abandoned stuff. Uh, we'll text, cold call, postcards. And the ones that we really think are vacant or abandoned, we actually will door knock. Um, so we send one of our cold callers out and door knock the neighbors and try and figure out what the actual situation is. Um, we do deals that way. Um, I remember the first one that I did that way. Um, this was not very long ago. Was, I think it was last year. Um, but we had actually cherry picked one of the deals that, um, that we found for my, my company and I fixed it up, moved into it with my family. Right. And so I'm living in this new place and I'm going to a new gym because it's closer to my house and I'm on my way. And I noticed it's completely a vacant house. I talked to the neighbors, found out that it was an inherited property and the owners lived in nowhere, Wyoming. And got the phone number and called him and we turned it into a deal. It wasn't a big deal, but, but we made money from it. And so we realized that like there are certain moments that it makes sense. So the ones that completely abandoned and vacant, if we can't get a hold of them through texting postcards um, or cold calling um, and we don't see any response from them, we then take that list 
that because we do get a hold of a lot and a lot of them are like no we don't want to sell yada yada but those that we can't get a hold of we take that little niche list and send it uh to be door knocked beautiful awesome uh let's see here natalie wants to know i don't know if you want to give it up uh what postcard company you use yeah i've used a, a couple i actually just switched postcard companies uh literally like two days ago wow and i don't remember the name <laughs> Is that bad? I can look it up though. Um, why don't we go to the next question and I will find oh, yeah. a postcard company. I bet someone on your team knows. <laughs> um, that's that's the, the power that's of delegation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to, let me look. All right. So I, I can um, tell you, we, we have been using direct one in the past. We've been using them for a while, perfect. but there's another one here. There's a million uh, here, out here there. We go. So. I found it. It's called open letter marketing. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure my discount code that you can get even a better pricing if you want to use them. It's DFD or DFD Mastery. Use. Perfect. I'm pretty sure it's DFD. Um, but then you can actually probably get. Yeah, actually, not probably. You will be able to get my postcard as well. The exact template, the exact postcard we use. So. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, let's see here. Brandon says taking a contract in a title. Should you have the assignee's autograph? Sorry, what was the question? Uh, it's a weird one. Um, just popped it up. He's just asking when oh. you take a contract to title, have the assignee. So I guess for the assignment of contract. Yeah. Um, so there's so when you do wholesaling, guys, like for the audience that doesn't know what this is. So there's there's um there's a purchase agreement and then there's the assignment contract, right? So you the the wholesaler, you're gonna get a property under contract with a seller in that in that contract. There should be a paragraph somewhere that says you have the rights to assign or sell or make money by assigning the contract, right? And then you find a buyer that wants the deal and you have to sign it a, a basically a contract between you and the end buyer that you're gonna sign or sell that purchase contract that gives the rights for him to close on that agreement. So um, the, I think the question is here is, do we have to have both contracts before we go to the title company? The answer is no. We have just the real estate purchase agreement in place. We take that to the title company with the earnest money. So it makes it a legally binding agreement. If they ever back out, I can force the sale, those kinds of things. There's a bunch of reasons why you do it that way. One of the reasons is so the title company can check to make sure there's no liens or encumbrances or judgments or things that's going to make the deal a dead deal. It's going to kill the deal. And we want to have what's it's called the preliminary report. It's basically the the like a quick check of the title. Is it clean, right? Is there anything that's going to keep that deal from going forward? Um, and we want that back within 24 business hours. That's the expectation we have for our title company. So we send the purchase contracts. So we have that, and we immediately start marketing that purchase contract for sale, um, and and try and get people into the inspection to inspect and make an offer to us to buy that contract. And um, once we do get it assigned, then we take it to the title company. The title company takes all that paperwork, finalizes it, writes us our check. Boom. Awesome. Uh, good question here. This is something I think you've dealt with. Um, I'm a newbie. After losing money in the stock market, I'm ready to push myself to work on my REI ambition. What would you advise someone who has a full-time job and wants to succeed in wholesale real estate good after your full-time job yeah i mean there's i have story after story after story on my podcast of people doing exactly that full-time job and and doing it on the side the other thing that that may be beneficial is quit your job because you probably hate it anyways um and then go work for a wholesaler 
right? Go cold call, uh, take a cut and pay, go work in the industry. And I did that, by the way. I took a job. I got fired after three months because I'm a horrible employee. Um, but I took a job as an acquisition manager for actually Cody Hoffine here in Utah. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the big coaches for Wholesaling Inc. So I took a job with him and he fired me. We, um, I still love him to death though. I just, uh, you know, just wasn't a fit because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So, uh, but I, I had a ton of experience. I learned a lot about negotiations. I, I learned a lot and got to see how the systems and things were in place, very beneficial. So um, if you hate your job, go get a job with a wholesaler and um, educate yourself. Boom, awesome. Uh, let's see here. Alan wants to know if you have any experience with uh, door hangers or that they should, you should use door hangers. Yeah. We used to do a ton more door knocking. We used to like door knock, like we'd blanket neighborhoods and door knock. We didn't have door hangers. We, we tried, um, we tried sticky notes. Like there were sticky notes that basically were my postcard template on the sticky note and we'd throw those on the doors. Um, and I didn't pull a profit margin that made sense. So my goal is to spend less than 25 cents to make a dollar with my marketing. And I wasn't hitting that between paying the person to go out and leave them. And then the cost of the, the, the materials, it just wasn't, wasn't making me a profit. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Um, it's just something that, uh, that we don't do. We haven't tested enough, honestly, to give you like it works or doesn't work. Perfect. Um, Samuel wants to know if driving for dollars will work in Rochester. <sighs> I'm going to answer this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this this way because, because, you know, we've had someone say, does this work in California? Does this work in New York? And I'm sure next is like, does this work in Philly? Does this work in New Jersey? You know, this is a very common question. Does this work where I want? What you want is the confidence to get started. That's, that's what, that's what you're asking for, Sam. And, and I appreciate that because you want there to be no risk. You want to feel comfortable with your decision, right? That's what everyone wants. But guess what? If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you can't have confidence. I, I saw someone ask, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, just brain fart. Uh, <laughs> Tesla. What's his name? Guy, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Someone asked him, was like, um, you know, can you give me some words of encouragement to be an entrepreneur? And he said, if you need words of encouragement, don't be an entrepreneur. It was his words of advice. And I loved it. Right. But I, I thought it was a little harsh, right? Because I was a skeptic. I had fear. I had a little different background. Right. But the thing is, is what I want you to do, Sam, and for anyone that has this question, does this work where I live? I want you to get on and look up REIA group, right? It stands for real estate investors association group. I want you to find other investors that are successful where you live. I want you to find other successful wholesalers where you live. I want you to find flippers, buy and hold investors. Are people making money off real estate where you live? If you have houses where you live, I can guarantee you that someone's making money as an investor where you live. So if someone else can do it, guess what, Sam? You can do it too. And it goes for anybody. This can be done anywhere that a house or a group of houses exist anywhere in the country. I have students in markets with 2,000 people in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. He's an acupuncturist and he's crushing it, right? I have people in the, in the biggest cities and the, tough, the toughest, most competitive markets crushing it, right? So believe in yourself, right? Get out of your own way and start taking action. That's my advice. Boom. That's it. Awesome. Uh, great advice there. Remember, Sam, this, that's an attorney state. Make sure you're, you're educated on the laws there, but you do need an attorney with the contracts. But 
Uh, you should be good there. And uh, last question from Judy here is, thank you. Uh, great info, guys. You both rock. Uh, God bless. Thank you, Judy. Um, so this is the Back Truthers podcast. So I asked the same question every single guest. So I started out as a bag boy with 300 bucks in my bank account, and I started wholesaling from there. So if you were 17, 18 years, years old again with 300 bucks, what would you do exactly to become the next Zach Booth? I'd say go get a job doing sales. That really what I actually wouldn't tell myself to go do wholesaling. I'd say, I want you to educate yourself on what wholesaling is. And I want you to go get a sales job. One of the greatest things that I ever did as I got a sales job when I was 11 years old, I was selling door-to-door -door aeration for my family's uh, company. And I became very fearless to talk to random people. I remember I was terrified, but I quickly found I was making 30 bucks an hour versus five bucks an hour from doing the actual labor by doing the sales. And getting that confidence, having to do door-to-door -door sales to grow my window cleaning company and um, having to talk to people and communicate and have communication skills is so important. It doesn't matter at what level you want to be at. Communications is a requirement. Sales is, is, is um, a heightened level of communication. That's all it is, right? You're able to have uncomfortable conversations. You're able to listen and understand the needs of other people. If you want to be a leader and build and own and run a company, you have to be able to communicate. If you want to be able to build and do wholesaling, you have to communicate. You have to sell. I truly believe that um, that is a skill set that that took me too long to develop. Um, and I didn't develop it until late into my twenties, uh, mid twenties. And, and I wish I would have done it much younger, right? I, I had had some experience, but I wasn't where I'm at now. Boom. That's it. Zach, thank you so much for coming on today. Is there any parting thoughts you have for the audience before we uh, sign off? Just believe in yourself guys. Um, truly like it can be done, right? If you have any doubts, watch the 40 grand and 40 day challenge on my YouTube channel. Like you know, maybe you decide that you don't want to do wholesaling, but if you have a goal, you have a goal of starting a company and maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do wholesaling so I can go start my dream company. Forget about wholesaling. Don't do wholesaling. Go do your dream company. Believe in yourself. Go for your, your dreams because life is too short to, to never try because you're afraid of failure. At least die by, by trying right? Like at least get to the end of your life and say, at least I gave it all I had. And the funny thing is, I promise you, if you truly give it all you have, you're going to have everything you expected and more, right? I, I'm, I'm a testament to that. I'm grateful. I'm humbled for all that I've been given, but I know that it would not have happened if I wouldn't have gone for it. If I wouldn't have walked away from my window cleaning business and only had two, three months of you know, cash to be able to pay my mortgage. And I was in credit card debt to hire my coach. I wouldn't have I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't go for it, right? And so my advice is to go for your dreams because you don't want to you don't want to fail by default. You want to fail because you never tried. Boom, that's it. Zach, thank you so much for coming on today. Check him out on YouTube. He's awesome. Thank you thank you so much guys. Appreciate it. See you next week.